We've reached the third episode, and I've got two new guests with me, Ash and Joe. Hey. And I was meaning to ask you, actually, Ash. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you were there for the name game. Yes, for your name game. For our name game, yeah. But I can't remember if you gave a fact or if you kind of grouped up with people. No, I did. My fact. Oh, okay. I'll back up. Okay, first off, can any of us three? figure out or remember what Ash's fact was. I do, yeah. <gasps> That's impressive. Do you, wanna, do you wanna give a like a small clue to us to and see if we can like s- redeem ourselves or it was about her living situation. Oh she was like didn't have a home. Yeah. Um, oh have you are you are you I'm now home. It's great. Oh, no. <laughs> I went for more of the summer. Um it was really bad. I thought it was slightly amusing just because I haven't properly lived anywhere for like seven or eight months now. Um, so I went off to Gaza to volunteer out there for three months, yeah. came back for like a couple of weeks and then went off again. So yeah. I've been like pretty in and out of places, yeah. which has been fun. Where are you living without giving the exact address? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just want to I'm living in Edmonton at the minute. Oh, cool. So yeah, not too far from here. Nice. Um, and Joe, was your fact the wedding? No. no, and that's no. come up a few times. Yeah. I think you just need to find whoever's <laughs> yeah, gone to that wedding. That was, was Tom, it wasn't Tom. No, but someone else. Two people were at that wedding. Tom and Michael were at the Was it wedding? Yeah. Was it Michael? Oh. Yeah. Okay, so Joe. What was Joe's fact? I'm trying to remember. Oh, Joe can't remember his fact. No, I do know. I do know. It was similar to my fact. Um, what was Kate's fact? Kate's fact was she had a very, a very fat okay. guinea pig. That was 1.4 yep. kilograms, um, which is fat for a lady guinea fat pig. Fat for a lady guinea pig, about normal for a guy guinea pig. Ah, yeah. What was Joe's? You you know again, don't you? So yep. a pet, a pet, <laughs> yeah, like pet. Yeah, so was pet. it about Nancy? No, oh. it's her sister <laughs> from yeah. a different species. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm doing any weird cross-breeding stuff. Yeah, that'll be a new podcast segment. (laughs) Joe's weird experiments. Anyone? Okay, Kate, if you know, I think you should. He has a chinchilla. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Cute. Now you you say it, I remember it. Yeah, Margot, who's 10 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, apparently they live a long time. (laughs) I did not (laughs) realise. Not that I'm upset, I'm very happy. That she's still here. Um, <laughs> basically, they're kind of like if you don't know a chinchilla, they're like an ultra furry, like squirrel. I kind of describe it as if like Disney drew a squirrel. <laughs> like that's Cute. kind of what the chinchilla is. They're meant to be yeah. like super soft. Like right? so furry. Yeah. You're kind of like okay, I understand why people are after your fur. Kate <laughs> um, is currently showing us a chinchilla. They and it means they can't get wet. Okay. I've never checked. I've never checked this fact, so this could be something or something incorrect. But ten- so the way that they clean themselves, they go in this dust bath, which is like a bath full of dust, which you might have guessed, and mm. they roll around. Uh, and so I was initially planning to get my partner a guinea pig, and then classic internet. I was like, "What's this thing?" And it made me think of gremlins because they couldn't get wet, and I was like. Yeah, so I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So it was great. It's I, great because it means you can walk into pet shops and literally buy like cartons of chinchilla dust. 
Nice. Mm. That sounds really, that sounds like the dust of chinchillas. It's yeah. really morbid. <laughs> <laughs> like people get their chinchilla cremated and then it's, it's, it's all recycling. Yeah. 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 Like Kate said, it was such a straight face. I was like, apparently this is a normal thing. Yeah. That's our tech for better projects yeah. is recycling chinchillas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. And also an app that tells you that recycling bins do not accept chinchillas. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> they, important. Judging by the things that have been in the recycling bin, I think some people <laughs> think that. Cool, so we got a bit of Ash's background, but I'm pretty sure all the listeners are now extremely curious about what you've been up to since Founders and Coders. Um, so yeah, I guess I went over to Gaza for a little while. Actually, before I did that, I was CF for Fact 12. Um, I did a little bit of projects on the side. Um, so I was working in Elm, which you guys may have heard being banded yeah. around a little bit. It's like a functional front-end programming language. Yeah. Um, so I did a couple of like um, like short design sprints in Elm, went over to Gaza for three months, came back, and I'm working on a project that started after my cohort, actually. So it was one of the final projects. Uh, it was for an organization called Power to Change. Okay. Um, we started off by making them like an app which uh, tracks volunteers, um, going to like different organizations so let's say you've got a community business that's holding yoga sessions uh, and you want to prove how you've got an Im- you're impacting your local community uh, they have like Tesco style QR codes where you can scan in uh, and then the yeah. app does like data visualization for all the people that have been going to different events there uh, so we kind of started off doing that uh, and now we're doing a big migration project because it turns out they've got a bunch of small apps they've had made by different people, but they're all talking to different databases, uh, which is kind of useless if you want overall information from what's going on. Yeah. So we're now migrating all of the t- tiny little apps into like one big platform. Oh, cool. Um, and just going back to one thing you mentioned earlier, so you mentioned you're a CF for Fact 12. I was, yeah. So that's course facilitator yeah. um, for listeners who don't know. Uh, do you want to just quickly tell us like what that kind of involves and how you found it? Yes, I guess the course is really cool because it's run by the previous alumni, um, but that doesn't mean that things always run super smoothly. So like a couple of cohorts back, we decided it would be really nice if there was like one person who stays involved for an entire cohort, just to give them some consistency and make sure that day-to-day things are being arranged, such as... Who, like making sure mentors are prepared for their week, making sure that the speaker slots are all filled up, making sure that we've got, we're talking to new clients for the final project. So there's yeah. loads of little bits and pieces that go into running the course that aren't necessarily delivering the workshops. Yeah. Uh, so that was what I did um, for that cohort. It was, it was really fun, it was really nice uh, watching. It's like, it's fun going through the course yourself and it's even more exciting the other side of that and like watching a bunch of people kind of like get through like learning yeah. all their struggles um, and becoming some badass developers yeah so it was sweet <laughs> and now you're surrounded by three badass developers kind of always in the loop half badass developers <laughs> cool uh, so Joe as I'm sure you're well aware of from listening to all our past episodes multiple times <laughs> Uh, we like 83, to, uh, I think. Yeah, <laughs> 83 times, yeah. Um, we like to ask new guests kind of how they felt just before the course, mm. um, what they were doing before the course as well, how they felt before the course, and then how you found it so far. 
Okay. In which order? From wife out before the course? <laughs> No, uh, what you're doing before. Okay. Sorry, that was, just, that was me being. No, that's fine. Like, um, so I've had a bit of a, a random career today. Well, so I started off doing the classic thing of just needing to pay rent so I could yeah. move to London. So for a year, I was doing live subtitling. So, you know, like when you are in place and you see those incorrect subtitles at the bottom, that was me. Um, <laughs> I was very proud of my incorrect subtitles. But yeah, so I did that, that was kind of quite cool. And then I actually ended up getting into children's media. So I've worked like kind of run kind of day-to-day ops and stuff for a really cool children's media brand called Fun Kids, which was like a radio station and a digital brand. And I worked on like the biz dev and all of that stuff and we scaled it up. And then I fell into influencer marketing. So it's yeah. like influencers is this new very trendy marketing kind of world anyone online who's got influence like a blogger or a youtuber and so on i ran a division that would uh team up brands um in and kind of come up with strategies for working with them and navigate that whole process for them um and then i decided actually i wanted to quit all that and we took a break uh and lived in a van with my dog and my girlfriend as well and drove around Europe for a few months and then I was kind of always coding on and off um, in very loose ways like starting free code camp stuff and then kind of not finding time not doing it maybe doing an odd thing on like code wars and then I finally was trying to work out where I wanted to go I knew I wanted to go down the route of working on things that would deliver more of a kind of positive social impact Um, and then that time coding kind of led me naturally towards founders and coders I think the point you made as well about kind of being off and on is quite a common experience with mm-hmm. a lot of people that have ended up on this course. I think with just a lot of people that become developers in general, I think so many of us started off doing a bit of coding for like two days or a week and then not doing any for a few weeks or months or whatever and then picking it up being like, I really want to do this. Yeah. And it seems to take several goes for a lot of people yeah Um, and knowing what's the right thing to do yeah so the reason i'd always stop is like you start doing a thing and then you're kind of struggling and then you're like oh but there's also all these other languages that i can be doing and so much stuff within these languages you're like is this even the right thing and then you kind of have this like option paralysis um so that was quite nice with the prerequisites for founders and coders because actually it was like, right, I know that the right thing is just to plow on with free code camp and to do JavaScript on code wars because that's what I need to do to get yeah. onto the course. I think it's also very similar to learning a language. I mean, with coding, you are literally learning a language, but yeah. it's similar to learning um, human languages and that, you know, I'm sure we've all been there where you're like, I'm gonna learn Spanish or I'm gonna learn Dutch on Duolingo and you kind of like faff around, but yeah. like, unless you actually commit full time and like you know immerse yourself in that kind of thing like it's really quite hard to actually learn it and become fluent yeah. i think it's the same with coding like you know we all try it off and on and then at some point you realize if i actually want to do this it's probably best to just devote my life to it yeah. for a while <laughs> so it's yeah. all here according to <laughs> according to duolingo i think i'm about two percent fluent in so many different languages <laughs> yeah and there's that thing it's like do you want to just be able to say hello in programming case hello world in yeah. 50 different languages or do you want to be able to create something you're proud of in one or two languages yeah um so yeah i think it is really important to as you two have said to really 
focus on something. Yeah. Cool. So how have you found it so far? Like amazing. I think it's yeah. I'm yeah. I think most people are now. I think everyone would say in our course, like, you can recommend it highly enough. Yeah. You know, because it is a big, a big jump. You know, you're committing to not, you know, not necessarily having income unless you're kind of finding ways outside of it. So you've got savings to kind of take into account, and you're like, okay, is this definitely going to be everything that I need to kind of get out of it? And I think the community that you then come into at Founders and Coders is just so above expectations in terms of like support and just making you feel you know dealing with that imposter syndrome so i think like it was on its second day and lucy uh gave us a kind of mini speech and she had a slide on like imposter syndrome and that to be honest as a developer you'll so often think this because you're always learning new things and i was just like oh thank you yeah. <laughs> like, that's so good to hear yeah uh so yeah i think it's, whilst you're learning so much stuff and there is still so much more stuff to learn the actual experience itself has been incredible so far nice glad to hear we'll see in the next few yeah. weeks <laughs> i mean that feeling never goes away no like i was summer cohort last year and you'll always come across things that you have no idea how to tackle or like where to start but the cool thing about the way the course is structured is it teaches you how to learn rather than how to just code one thing with one particular framework or like one particular way of doing things and as soon as you've kind of got used to that idea of like keeping your cool and just like continuing on and plowing through and like knowing that you will get there eventually like that that's what it's all about it's like yeah just the persistence of it i think is the most important part Mm -hmm. well we started a bit late uh probably my fault so we're going to jump straight into Node now and try and whiz through our great whistle-stop tour of Node. So I believe Joe volunteered to start us off with a brief introduction to Node, and then we'll little jump in. Yeah, my basic understanding and then you guys can just build on it in a much more knowledgeable way. Um, so, I mean, W3, when you were saying, oh, we're going to talk about Node, I was like, oh yeah, what is Node again? And so W3 Schools was kind of like, oh, it's an open source server environment. I was oh, like, of course. great, <laughs> yeah, exactly, thanks W3. What does that mean? <laughs> and it's free, which is good. <laughs> like, the way I understand it is it's a way that we can use JavaScript not just on the kind of front end, but also to do server-side back-end work. So building a server, interacting with databases, and doing stuff that perhaps you don't want people to be able to see on your browser. So like, you know, if you're encrypting passwords or validation and stuff like that. So that's my kind of loose understanding of it. Cool, I think that's so good. Brief summary. Um, so we were chatting about Node for a bit before the episode um, and one thing that we were also mentioning is this was kind of all made possible by the fact that so JavaScript is traditionally a front-end language so you know for things you actually see on the website and interact with and they're run in your browser and Node is essentially the JavaScript engine or interpreter from the Chrome browser just put on the server so I think it's called the V8 engine. The V8 engine. And the cool thing that Chrome have done with it is they made it super, super fast. Um, so it's written, I believe it's in C++. Uh, might need fact-checking. <laughs> <laughs> but like they've done loads of like extra things to speed it up so it doesn't run at the same speed as like traditional JavaScript, which is fairly slow. 
um, which is really cool because it allows you to do lots of super cool like like being able to just like make a full stack app with one language means that you can switch between fixing things on the client to fixing things on your server really quickly you don't have to constantly content switch uh, and it makes making like small to medium apps really quick yeah um, but it also scales really well so as your app your application starts to grow you can continue using no using node and use other ways to allow it to handle more users yeah sweet oh nice and on the subject of making things really quickly with node we've had to do projects using Node in the space of a couple of days um, during weeks four and five. Yeah. So Kate and Joe, do you have any projects you're proud of from the Node fortnight? So I looked up, uh, I had to go back and look up, okay, what did we do in weeks four and five? Because <laughs> uh, it's been such, such a long eight weeks. Yeah. Um, I think week four, I was really proud of our project. Um, the So it was our first Node project and we also had the design challenge of making an autocomplete form. Yeah. I think that was part of the project <coughs> requirements, yeah. but then the design challenge was like, make it a beautiful <laughs> user-friendly autocomplete. Um, yeah. So yeah, we had to create a node app with a nice interface and an autocomplete that a user could search. And so what my group did was an emoji markdown search. So if you use like Slack uh, or GitHub, you know, you can type like colon um, smiling face or things like that. And it yeah. will um, insert like the correct emoji, but some nice. of them don't have like really intuitive names. Yeah. And there's yeah. lots of places out there where you can look up this massive list of all the emojis and scroll through them. So uh, we thought, oh, why not make it like searchable? So yeah, um, we've got like a little Heroku app and it's very simple. You've just got your input field where you start typing um, what emoji you might think you want. And um, we ended up having to make our own JSON file, which is kind of like the information it pulls from. And I had to write this thing myself and I only got to like, 100 or 150 emojis and of course there are a lot more so yeah. it's not comprehensive but yeah. I am needing to go back and work <laughs> on it but yeah that was it was really quite fun obviously working with emojis is fun um, but yeah oh, awesome. how about you Joe? so we for yeah so with the autocomplete what our team did so generally you quite often stay in the same team for t two weeks on yeah. on our course at the moment and uh, so we were in the second week of the same team and the previous week was when we had to do the API call um, and so we had built a thing called Pokegif which uh, would allow you to search it, search any Pokemon and then it would give you some basic details about the Pokemon and uh, like a different GIF and you could load up different GIFs, it got very weird things. <laughs> but, um, and so we decided, actually, why don't we just add an autocomplete to this? Uh, so when you start typing in, you know, if you put like PIK, it'll then obviously start narrowing it down to Pikachu. So it limits it to, um, to five kind of suggestions at all time. So that was kind of, and, and that was a really interesting experience because I think that was the first time where we built on a previous project. And what was so interesting that is, one, going back to code, a week later where you think you totally understand it and then you're like you, you're not even sure if you wrote this yeah uh, and also it's this whole thing about kind of the term technical debt that we've yeah, like learned about like 
basically slightly badly written code or you know kind of hacky code that you're quickly doing before the code review can mean that when you're then trying to build on it it just gets harder and harder and harder and you're tr there's then new bugs kind of coming up yeah. so that was kind of an interesting experience <laughs> to learn about yeah i think i'm not sure about kate but i'm pretty sure most of us have struggled in the past few weeks have had that issue of realizing how big an issue technical debt can be mm. well uh, with you know these these guys did it in week four and they kind of went no one should ever build on their previous week's project and then i think a bunch of us went and did that two weeks ago yeah. and we're all just like what have we done <laughs> it showed that what we say has like no bearing on any decisions anyone has on the course yeah no one listens to you yeah <laughs> um, yeah i think it's good to learn that lesson now though and i think it also just underlined the whole thing i think we were told you know when we were looking at things like test-driven development people were saying to more experienced people were saying to us you know if, a, if someone wants you to create something really quickly and they're like, oh, this will just be for one thing, like we'll never use it again, we just need to get that done quickly. Often, as a developer, you should actually be pushing back and say, no, I wanna, I wanna do this properly and I wanna, want to do it with tests. So it's going to take a bit longer because often it does mutate into this big project, etc. Yeah. And I think we had a little taste of that where we rush a project one week because we need to get it done for our deadline. And then the next week we're like, oh yeah, we'll build upon that. And then we have that this awful moment of, oh, oh yeah, we rushed loads of this and it isn't coded how we want to do it. And now we've got to spend more time figuring it all out. Yeah, I think it also really highlights how important it is to like go back, refactor things and yeah. also have some kind of naming structures or like following conventions. Because um, it can be really easy when you're hacking things together and writing them for the first time of just like calling something data or calling it get this and it, yeah. if you're not being very obvious with your naming choices that can be one of the things when you come back in a week or two weeks or a few months which will normally yeah. happen later down <laughs> the line like that's going to be your clue as to what's going on and if that is consistent across your code base or if there are patterns that you're using it just makes it easier and gives you more mental space to be able to figure out what's happening yeah definitely so I think the first node, in Node Fortnite, the first week, the project we worked on, again, was the autocomplete. And our group weren't actually feeling very political, but I think one of the people in our group um, just went on Reddit, and I think there's a subreddit called like Data, data Sets, maybe? I'll, I'll put the link to it in the show notes. And essentially people just list like interesting data sets that you can you know use to like make graphs from or mine from or analyze however you want um, and some I believe there's a New York Times article again I'll check this and put it in the show notes that basically listed all the companies and people that Donald Trump had insulted on Twitter um, and then a helpful commenter on that thread uh, made a script that basically turned all that information into a JSON object which I believe we talked about a bit last week um, and that meant we could treat it like an API. So we got our autocomplete to basically query, you could start typing in something like someone's name or a company's name, and it suggests people that come up in the list of people Trump has insulted. Um, and then as a stretch goal, we, well, we had two interesting stretch goals. One was that when it comes up with all the tweets about that person, when he's insulted them, 
Um, it reads them out using the browser speech API that Chrome and Firefox have, which Genuinely is quite good fun. <laughs> disturbing to hear yeah. in practice. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll give it a go. Uh, and the problem was you also didn't know how to switch it off. So then when yeah. you see the amount of insults he's like addressed yeah. to say Hillary, it will just keep going. And I think yeah. like Emma had muted it and five minutes later unmuted, yeah. he was still, <laughs> still going. Yeah, he has a lot to say about Hillary no surprise yeah we also found so in the speech api you have to actively um like call a function that stops the speech yeah but i found we found this weird bug in chrome where if you don't call the stop but you close the tab chrome keeps on reading it out and then there's no way to stop chrome from reading it out which is a bizarre bug but we should probably write um so ash do you want me to look someone up yes please who are you gonna go for that's your choice. Oh, I mean, you've always got already gone for the obvious one, which would be Hillary. And it will just um, go on for like. <laughs> this will now be a we, we can start with Hillary, and then so you can see. Sorry for the listeners, but oh my god, it's so amazing! It's all t- it's suggesting people with H I L in their name. Wow, <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> something cool. something Levenstein filter. Yeah, so now that'll be the next cool stretch goal. So we now have a list of crooked Hillary, crooked H, crooked Hillary, and. Oh my we god, that swirl does go on yeah. forever, doesn't it? <laughs> and we used um, children's handwriting fonts to kind of make it more Trump-like. <laughs> so hopefully, when I click make me speak... Crooked Hillary, crooked edge, crooked Hillary, crooked, crooked Hillary, crooked, so we're currently totally crooked using... campaign, totally crooked, crooked, <laughs> crooked. <laughs> Crooked, 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 but it seems that the Firefox default voice is this very robotic, trying to be Scottish sounding um, voice. Why did you buy your computer for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not is Scotland, it? but yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it's a weird setting I have somewhere. But the other, um, oh, do you want me to quickly look someone else up? Yeah, what was the FBI guy? Was it James Comey? Comey. Yeah. Oh. James Comey, let's see. Oh, Alika. That'd be good. You know what? Let's, this let's, is another very, very long one. Let, let, let's try him out with the Google Chrome voice. I think it's a slightly nicer. Um, so, James Comey. And what if I. Oh, no, it won't Ooh, work. So many options. Okay, let's see if Chrome will speak as well. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay, let's see if Firefox still speaks. Best friends oh. with Robert Mueller. Slippery, the worst leader by far in the history of the FBI. When will people start saying, thank you, Mr. President, for firing James Comey? Slippery James I'm not sure that Comey, gonna say a terrible that. and corrupt <laughs> leader who inflicted great pain on the FBI. Poor leadership, thought he was terrible until... Let's see what happens. Oh! Hey, it stops nice. in Chrome. Nice. Uh, it's the importance of cross-browser compatibility. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, it's so bizarre, like, when you start coding, you just assume that all browsers are going to act the same. Uh, really it's don't. very much not true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've actually just come back from a few hours of working since we were recording at lunchtime and ran out of time. So even though we're midway through chatting 
we may sound a bit more tired and fed up, but we're happy inside. Woo! <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Kate, can I get a woo? Nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll like amplify that. I'm like really, really keen. Uh, cool. So I was just talking about my project, and the other thing I wanted to mention that I found quite fun was while doing water complete. Um, we were most of us were doing it quite simply in that we were just checking the value of what someone t was typing into a search box against um, strings that we had in a JSON object. And one thing I wanted to have a go at was accounting for people making typos. So I started Googling about something that I read about a few years ago called the Levenstein distance. And it was actually quite fun trying to implement it in my Node project. So as a very brief summary, the Levenstein distance is just a integer value that compares two words. And it's the fewest um, additions subtractions or substitutions from a word to turn it into another one. So if I had cat, oh my god I'm going to make it half myself, if I had... Just go for cat and bat. Cat and bat, thank you. <laughs> so if I had cat and bat, the Levenstein distance would be one because all I have to do is change the C in cat to a B. Um, and same if I had cat and Kate spelled C-A-T-E that would be a Levenstein distance of one because I have to do one addition, which is the E at the end. Um, so it's quite an interesting algorithm and luckily on Node, you have a really cool thing called NPM, which is Node Package Manager, where you can basically access um, like software libraries or scripts that other people have made. Um, so you don't have to you know, reinvent the wheel each time when someone else has probably done it much better than you. So I implemented someone else's Levenstein algorithm implementation read the documentation on NPM and managed to implement it successfully. So that was really rewarding and had a bit of a play around with that because I realized Levenstein distance doesn't actually work very well if you've got like a partial string and you're comparing it against the full one. So I've heard a rumor that Joe is also very proud of his project from the week after or has an interesting learning. Uh, yeah, I think, actually, I, I was happy of where we got it to. We actually did some good stuff on the design um, that week, and that was kind of one of the first times of doing, like, wireframing stuff yeah. that we ended up learning about more recently. Um, so that was cool. But, uh, yeah, so basically the idea was uh, we had to do server-side API calls, I yeah. think. Uh, so we did two calls, and we, it's called the Muse, and basically one API call went to the Guardian and another one to last.fm. And you could search for any term and it would find you the latest articles related to that, that term. Um, but also you could then tab and then get a music playlist um, of kind of music that also is on that term. So when you type in keeping in the Trump theme, you get some very interesting songs that yeah. I can't really say on the podcast of, that might, you know, uh, support, uh, get you in the mood while you're you know, reading articles and stuff. Um, but the thing that was interesting with it is we were doing those two API calls and really we, we wanted to like wrap them up so we could send them back in a response and we weren't so on top of kind of callbacks within callbacks and yeah. so on and so we knew that we were fundamentally doing the same thing but we ended up just kind of actually doing one API call and sending that response and then doing another API call and basically the same 
like endpoint and then sending that as well. And what you ended up with was this like load of kind of duplicated code. And there's this thing that we get talked about, which is to have dry code, uh, which stands for don't repeat yourself. Um, so we're working very, very hard to try and make sure that that was dry. And it's yeah. just very, very hard because you're starting to then abstract and you're starting to have to think about, you know, modularization and stuff like that. Um, and our code was just very, very moist. And <laughs> not, not dry that, at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was a big challenge that week that I imagine lots of people come across because equally with the prerequisites when we're doing the calculator. I think like my JavaScript code was just so ridiculously long, yeah. and there's so much now that I've realised that you could actually make so much shorter and, yeah. and simpler, um, and that is quite satisfying when you do manage to achieve it. I've managed it on and off. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us have had like varying degrees of success, but I would say, and I'm sure you will agree, that it is so satisfying when you do manage to modularise it really well, and you just you're calling functions and functions and functions, you know exactly what each one does, and your life's so much easier. Mm. But it's, it's very hard when you start trying to, and you're in the middle of like a rushed project. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the other project that I'm kind of, I'm not sure I'm proud of it. It didn't end up how we wanted it to, but it was fun to do. Um, our five week project was using the government's crime API. So we used a browser API where you could get your coordinates um, or you could put in the postcode, which would then query a postcode API and convert that into coordinates. And then we'd send those coordinates off to the crime API to find the list of all the crime types and, like, and, their road, and the roads they occurred on around your area. Um, but the issue with this is that we got back an object that was like 80,000 lines um, because it, for every single crime it gave you so much information um, it wasn't really in a digestible format but the one quite fun thing with that was <clears throat> I got to get a lot more practice with array methods and like object mani manipulation because I had to basically convert that object into an array of streets and crimes and then turn that back into a new object that listed all the streets and the number of occurrences. So I had to do that with a map and then the filter and then a for each to basically turn that all in. And it was just so satisfying using those array methods like properly and turning this like 80,000 line monster into, into you know, like a 200 line readable object. Um, but I think when we uh, presented it, it was very much a half finished front end but we definitely learned a lot, which I think is the, the main, the main thing, aim. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something really satisfying when you start learning to code, because I think the first thing everyone learns is a for loop. Yeah. Uh, and although it's a really easy way for you to think about how computers like map through different like objects or arrays or like different types of um, data that they have, it's very verbose and it's really yeah. big. So as soon as you do start getting more comfortable with like array methods, it like you I feel like your code just like keeps shrinking and yeah. shrinking and yeah. shrinking <laughs> until you get to this point where you're like, 
I could do it on one line, but I don't know if anyone's <laughs> going to be able to understand it. Yeah, like, am I publishing this, this on Code Wars <laughs> or in production? And that is great when you see the solutions on Code Wars, especially <laughs> when you're doing, you're like trying to rank up uh, and you're like doing as many catalogs and you're like, you've done it and you've written the longest amount of code that it works and you're just so happy with it and it's like taking ages and then you hit submit and then you look at the solution and someone's done it in like three lines <laughs> and you're yeah. like, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very much just like a code wars thing. Like we were talking about earlier, it's when you have to like come back to your code a couple of weeks later mm. or a few months later. If it is just written on one line and it's super fancy, it's going to be like way harder for you to be able to glance at it and figure out what's yeah. happening. Yeah. So it's not yeah, really... Okay. It's fun to do sometimes, but it's not really always yeah, best practice. Definitely. Um, and I think also a shorter code doesn't necessarily mean it runs more efficiently. I think that's For another sure. big thing. Um, on that note, for array methods, etc., we'll post a couple of links to um, like the MDN docs on array methods and maybe Jav's, uh, Wes Boss's JavaScript 30 array cardio video, which is quite cool for practicing them. Ray cardio sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> He's good at making uh, like tempting sounding course names yeah. and video <laughs> names. Um, so on to any meetups or talks or anything fun we've been up to recently. Kate? Um, yeah, I am a big fan of Code Bar and I keep telling everyone here about it. And um, for the last two monthlies, I've been their MC, which basically just means I get up and introduce the evening and the speakers and stuff, um, and I've um, applied to give a talk at the next one. Um, oh, nice. I'm building a Chrome extension, and uh, this means that I'll actually have to finish it and know exactly how it works, <laughs> yeah. uh, because my talk might get accepted, um, or not. Watch this space. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, what is your yeah. Chrome extension about? So, you know, kind of the new tab extensions where you open it up and it like says, you know, hello, yeah. uh, your name, yeah. and it'll show you like the weather or um, maybe a to-do list you have, or you can um, search Google straight. And it's just like yeah. a, a really nice, pretty thing to see every time um, you open up a new tab. And there's a couple of um, famous ones like Momentum, I think is the most well-known one for Chrome. Uh, another one that I found that I really, really love is called Logon. And what does that do? Um, it just shows you the time and date and um, the local weather, but they have, I don't know how many um, CSS templates, <laughs> but every single day it's a new dynamically oh, generated wow. template and the people that have done it like have such an eye for design. It's like yeah. really quite neat every Sounds day. Sounds cool. Is, is the new tab thing I've seen on your laptop, is that yours? Or so is that's it? so that's on right now. Oh, nice. um, you might have seen the very rudimentary version of mine, which has a nice like pink to orange gradient and nice. says cool. hello Kate and has like a little <laughs> waving hand emoji. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting because I kind of started it after API week as a way to like get 
callbacks working in my head. And then I got to a point where I realized that like all of the code you put on Chrome, um, like there's no way to hide API keys. So I asked some people on Twitter and the responses ranged from, you'll have to build a server and route your calls through that so people can't find it, down to, oh, well, there's really no way to actually hide API keys from people who really want to get it because they can like (laughs) sniff your network traffic. And I was just like, cool, that's not helpful. I'm gonna like, (laughs) uh, I'll go build a server. And then around that time we started like learning we were gonna learn Express and Handlebars, oh, yeah. and now it's all like it's kind of muddied the waters a bit. So I think I need to like sit with all of this for a while and yeah. figure out like what I actually want it to do, and then just maybe like tear it down and rebuild it with yeah. the new information. Yeah. But yeah, it'll um, it'll be working eventually. <laughs> I look forward to trying it out. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll say hello, Dom, rather than hello, Kate. Yes. <laughs> um, anything for either of you two? I'm afraid I just got back from holidays, so... Nice. Where did you go? Um, to Italy. You didn't nice. go to talks on your holiday. I didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. There was like, we went to talk to the trees, but they weren't really giving much back. <laughs> also, I mean, a Coney talk in Italian would... Yeah, that'd be next level. <laughs> in Italian. Not yet. Uh, yeah. Um, cool. Well, I think the other thing to mention is we had a really nice... We've had... So, I think one or two times a week, we typically will get an external speaker to come to Founders and Coders. Um, and recently, I mean, we've had loads of good speakers since we started, but a couple of recent ones were really great. Like, one person came to talk to us about um, just his experience like, in the job world after Founders and Coders, and he seems to be having a great time. Um, and then we also most recently had Nikhila Ravi come to chat to us. So she has been working at Facebook for, I think, around a year now, but she's got a really, really cool path. Um, she seems pretty academic because she did a degree, then founders and coders, then a computer science master's, and is now going to machine learning. But it was really motivating slash made me feel a bit sad when I realized that she's born the same year as me. So. I've got a little catchy up to do, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's, you know, a couple of months older. So I've got a couple of months to go get my master's and work at Facebook for a year. Um, so we'll see how that goes. So onto learnings or, you know, things we learned, silly mistakes we made. Um, again, I've heard another rumor that someone in this room has recently made two silly mistakes. Two silly mistakes? Well, I feel like this one got upgraded pretty quick. Well... <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but someone thought that, thought that today was Tuesday. Oh, and that, it is Thursday. But that I'm may have happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess like you come out of founders and coders, and you're like, oh, I've like done all the basic things, and the next thing you're going to get stuck on is this huge, like maybe machine learning thing, or maybe <laughs> like making like a giant database or something. And I swear, the last week. I have just been getting confused or like stuck on the most ridiculous thing ever. It was just like cookies. It's yeah. like good old week seven projects of like, I'm going to make a cookie and serve it up. Um, but because we were trying to do, well, I thought it was because we were trying to do something fancy and all of my research just ended up being in the wrong direction. But we were using something called Cause, uh, which yeah. you guys may have come across in week three. It's like cross origin. Research um, sharing. Exactly. Um, so yeah, because we had our domain and our like client on two separate servers, um, we had to use cause requests, and I spent ages like researching cause to see why this cookie wouldn't set, 
and like three days in it turns out that the path was set wrong so you can set the path for where your cookie can be used so it's not used yeah. across your entire domain um, and it was taking the path from the server so it was taking a path which wasn't actually set on the client because the routing yeah. was different so it was like hey i'm setting this cookie and it appears but it won't go on any other requests so uh that was fun it was a fun three days <laughs> i mean generally <laughs> it always comes down to a silly mistake but like, that's the main learning i've For taken sure. yeah. from like the eight weeks it's just like there were, like obviously there's stuff where you don't fully understand the function so you have maybe not returned it or like implemented it properly but so often the amount of time where like we were working together over the last two weeks and I yeah. say there's be a thing like why is this working no it's working and he looks like oh you need to close brackets and you're just like happy that yeah. you sold it <laughs> but just a little more dead inside <laughs> yeah it happens lots like typos are also the worst ones yeah. as well it's yeah. just like you're reading through something and if it's just like two letters switched around your brain doesn't normally yeah, pick up on that exactly. anyway so you just like you look at it again and again and again like i swear everything here is perfect but yeah it happens uh it's also quite nice knowing that you always think that the answer is this big grand thing you don't know yeah. and it turns out it's something small and tiny that you just overlooked yeah so can i ask what the first words were out of your mouth like when you realised that was the issue. I think I just laughed for a, a good five, ten minutes. <laughs> just sat in giggles. Kind of like nervous giggles, excited giggles, <laughs> relief. It was like all the emotions just came out in one yeah. way. <laughs> that sounds quite scary to be honest. If I, if someone next to me were laughing for ten minutes straight, <laughs> I'd probably run. I think we've had that in the past few weeks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, cool, so we're almost at the end. Thank you for sticking with me everyone. Um, so now we're on to our recommendations of podcasts, articles, meetups, music, memes, whatever you want. So should we start with Ash? Yep, uh, I would definitely recommend watching the YouTube channel Fun Fun Function. Um, so it's a guy who is a developer in Stockholm for Spotify. Uh, and he does lots of short videos ranging on array functions to how you should do your tests to just kind of like what it's like working in a big dev team. Uh, one of the reasons I really liked it and it kind of helped me progress when I finished the course is his uh, methodologies are very in line with FAC. He's very into paired programming and also very into functional programming. Um, so it's a lot of the similar ideas that you kind of would have heard coming through the course, but it goes into it in a bit more depth. And also the great thing about YouTube videos is you just keep watching until they finally sink in. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joe? Um, not tech related, but like a couple of... What I've kind of found is like some podcasts, like I just need sometimes some really calming podcasts. Yeah. You know, like just to kind of make my brain switch off a little bit. Like, and so there's like... One obvious one is uh, Adam Buxton's podcast, which is just so gentle and nice as soon as you hear him. Every uh, episode always starts with him walking his dog, and he just, when he's like just talking to Rosie, his dog, uh, just you're like, okay, I can relax now and just be fine. And then the other one, and but it's kind of for a bad reason, is one called Neuroscientist Explains, which is really cool. It's like basically, it's a Guardian podcast, and Neuroscientists they talk about different things. So one thing was um, how we how we see words 
um, and they, they kind of do things like that and then explain the actual science behind it. Yeah. Um, and and it is really interesting, so it's a good thing to do that just forces your mind to go away. But also he's got like the most soft voice, like the soft voice and the most like relaxing voice. Yeah. That like honestly the other day and I was like thinking about our project and like my mind was just wandering and then I just kind of went into like meditative mode where like it was then ten minutes later and I had no idea what they were talking about. Like I could not remember. I had to go back, so I was like, oh, I'll go back and listen to it again. And that happened to me four times. <laughs> and then I just gave up that I was ever going to understand yeah. and just allow his voice to like drift over me. So that, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. It's fine. So if you want to fall asleep, that's a good one to yeah. do, obviously. But it is interesting. In yeah, way. it is really good when like you're up for it. Great. I'm definitely going to give that a go. Um, so I've got three podcast recommendations this week. Uh, first is All Songs Considered, which is great. Uh, podcast kind of go over artists and songs and they recently had an episode on Aretha Franklin um, who sadly recently passed away really interesting episode and obviously loads of great music as well so I'd really recommend checking that out the second one is Stuff to Blow Your Mind which is a podcast from How Stuff Works which I think is actually one of the biggest podcasts out there like by uh, listener base I don't know the listenership anyway um they had a really interesting uh well they republished one recently called the cobra effect which is like really really interesting and the final one is more of a tech one it's the vanilla javascript podcast um so it's a very specific name <laughs> but with founders and coders we kind of avoid using anything like jquery um and we don't really rely on any libraries or frameworks on the front end until like 13 or so weeks in. So it's actually a really interesting podcast because it's, you know, this professional giving his advice and experiences on preferring to use vanilla JavaScript over things like jQuery, which are very, which are everywhere basically. Kate? Yeah, I've got two developer related ones and one <laughs> just internet meme related one. Nice. I, I might have seen your show notes about, you know, oh yeah, Kate's going to show up with memes, so I, I wanted to make sure that I delivered. Nice. Um, so I guess my first one is devpal.io. Um, there's a designer and developer named Andy Bell who does a lot of wonderful side projects besides his uh, day job and one of them is DevPal where basically you go on and it's like a little chat bot and you ask a question and he takes his time to like help you out like no matter what it is um, so that's really cool um, also Glitch which I think it's I think you would call it an IDE a developer environment um, but basically you can go on there and um, you can do just like basic web pages that are HTML CSS or JS or it'll give you a node template to start with if you want to build a, a more in-depth app but it's also like a community of people who are making all these things yeah. and I would just encourage like going on the glitch Twitter which is just at glitch um, and just looking at some of the latest stuff. So like I'm looking at their feed and they retweeted someone that um, has made an app on Glitch to convert a MIDI file into RGB values. Oh, wow. Um, there's one where um, some guy has done like a web VR or augmented reality thing where you can like look inside his head. It's like, yeah, it's like, 
that kind of stuff and then yeah. also like fun silly little projects like a randomly generated emoji grid so like there's a whole range of stuff but it's like you know you get really inspired like looking at all yeah. of it uh, and the last one, the meme, I would just really encourage everyone to go Google the singing cowboy in the sky meme because <laughs> I like I laughed until I cried the other day. Um, it's it's just kind of one of those things where you're like, why? But then maybe it's better you don't know why. Um, so the final thing is for us to tell our loyal listeners where to find us. Ash, do you have anywhere? No. <laughs> Incognito on social media. Oh, like to find ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were like going back to the conversation of earlier about the emails not working. Uh, right, and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I have no fibs for this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really bad at using Twitter. The only time I've used it, and I'm just going to plug my t ridiculous side project here, is um, have you guys met Elias yet? He's like no. from one of the earlier cohorts who everyone goes and asks questions to. So uh, me and someone from Fact 10 made a little app called um, Ask Elias. Okay. So I feel like if you want to ask me questions, just go on there and put them on there. It's great. It's a website, um, but all it does is it, it tweets Elias. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What's the URL? Um, AskElias.club. So Joe, where can we find you? Uh, so, I'm, yeah, I don't really post much on Twitter, I read on Twitter, I'm a lurker. Uh, so, on Instagram, it's like Joe S. Frill, all one word. Um, yeah, and there's a new, I've got a new band actually about to release stuff, so I might do c come back just for some more shameless promotion. Yeah, sure. Because it's all about to launch in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Kate. Not that anyone will want to follow me after you look up the singing cowboy in the sky <laughs> meme, but if you do want more premium meme content like that, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SB in London, a Southern Bell in London. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dominic Digital. I'm not that active, but hopefully we'll be soon. Bye! Bye. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could share everyone Kate's out of face like, like happiness that. or joy or like fear. Nobody, nobody knows. <laughs>